chase after us, Lord, knowing that you want us to know you on a deeper level. And Lord, I pray right now in this moment, whatever we are dealing with, whatever we're working through, Lord, whatever we have brought into this room, Lord, I pray that we can lay it at your feet, knowing that you are good and you are able and you can work in our lives. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Amen. You guys can go ahead and uh, grab a seat. And uh, Rock Church, how we doing on this Thursday evening packed house? Great seeing everybody. And man, I got to shout out our Jay Rubin crowd right now. Great to have you joining us as well. It's going to be an absolute fantastic night together. And I'm really excited to jump in and discuss this subject because this series called I'm Not Okay has been absolutely incredible. Have you guys enjoyed this series so far? I agree. It's been great. And if you are new or if you haven't seen all of the series, you know, we've talked about some different things. Uh, the first week, we talked about how we need to be honest with God. And then the next week, we talked about uh, worry and anxiety. And then uh, the next week, we talked about uh, suicide and depression. And last week, we talked about stress and burnout. And these were all subjects that we know were hitting people. We know we're affecting people. And we've had some great conversations with others as we have had uh, these weeks go on. And then, uh, so if you haven't caught all of these sermons yet, if you haven't caught all the weekend experiences yet, make sure you go online and check those out. They're really, really powerful. As well as check out our resource page because there is a lot of great things on there that may be helpful for you and your situation. Now tonight we're talking about another difficult two-word combination, and the subject we are talking about tonight is grief and loss. And I normally like to start my sermons with some sort of funny example or some sort of historical example, but in this situation, I kind of just wanted to be open and honest with you guys about what I have dealt with in my life. Because grief and loss is something every single person will deal with at some point. This doesn't have to be just the loss of a life. This could be a loss of a relationship. This could be a loss of a friendship. This could be the loss of something that you were chasing after. These feelings often are tied to the same center there. Uh, for me, September 16th, 2022 was one of the best and worst days of my life. It was a Friday morning, uh, we were up at 6.15, it was a normal Friday. Katie, uh, who was two and a half months pregnant and uh, was about to go to work in just a little bit, Keely, uh, my daughter, uh, she was going to go to daycare, I was going to go play golf, just like every other Friday. As I'm getting Keely ready and Katie's getting ready, she lets me know that something feels off. Anytime you have a pregnant wife that says it, that brings a little worry, that brings a little fear in you, and she ends up going to the bathroom and comes out and says, we need to go to the hospital. So we get Keely to my parents, they take her, they watch her, we rush to the hospital, we sit in the waiting room, we wait, we wait, we wait. We worry and we stress and we're afraid of what could have happened. 
Finally, we get taken back, and there's an ultrasound done on Katie, and as we see in the ultrasound, Katie was pregnant with twins. And you have these thoughts, you have these emotions, like, holy cow, like, you have a parent of twins plus Keely. That daycare bill is going to be so high. <laughs> but in the back of your mind, you, you still got the worry. Still got the fear. Doctor goes away for a little bit. Comes back, we, we run more tests. Doctor goes away again, we're sitting and waiting and stressing out. Eventually the doctor comes back and it's one of those things you could read the doctor's face, right? On one hand, our future daughter, Claire, was healthy. Unfortunately, we lost her twin. And it was such a weird mix of emotions. Because on one hand, you're praising God for having a healthy baby. And on the other hand, you are grieving because you lost a child. And over the next weeks and months and to this day, we are still dealing with the emotions that are tied to that. There's random moments where it hits harder, like when Claire was born, or when it's a holiday and you take pictures of Claire and Keeley together. I know the birthday coming up in April, that's going to be a day that hits harder. And when you're dealing with grief and loss, these emotions, they hurt. And you sometimes just don't know what to do with them. And I'll be very transparent with you guys in this moment. There's some sermons that I stand up here, that we stand up here and we preach from a place of authority. We preach from a place of confidence. We preach from a place of like, man, we've got it all figured out, which is great. But then there's other sermons where I'm basically preaching to myself. I'm right alongside of you. And everything that we're talking about today with grief and loss is stuff that I am still trying to work through. I am still trying to wrestle with. I'm still trying to process in my grieving and my loss. Now, thankfully, Scripture helps us understand how to deal with these emotions, how to work through our loss, how to work through our grief. In the story of Elijah, Elijah had to leave his servant at Beersheba. He had to deal with that loss. There's another guy that it reminded me of, and he's the guy that we're going to focus on for our time today. And his name was Job, and he was a man that he had to deal and work through his loss. And through his story, we will see three different ways that we can work through our grief and we can work through our loss. The first thing being is we just have to deal with our loss. Uh, Job, he was a man from the land of us. And us is a really fun word to say. So look at your neighbor, let's have a little laugh and fun for a second and say us. It's pretty fun, right? Job was a man from the land of us. He was a wealthy man. He had a huge family, he had lots of land, he had lots of livestock, 
Uh, he seemingly had everything. He was very godly. And if you look at his life on the outside, and then if you would look at his life on the inside, you'd say, man, this guy's life, he's got it all together. There's nothing bad in it. Yet in a split second, his land of us, the world that he lived in, got flipped upside down. Because he was such a good man that Satan wanted to bring him down. Look at what scripture says in Job chapter 1, verses 11, 12. This is Satan talking. He says, but stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Satan's saying that to God. And God says this. Very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. And from there, Satan tried to bring Job down. His oxen and his donkeys were taken away. His sheep were burned. His camels disappeared. And on top of losing pretty much all of his access to wealth, his sons and daughters were all in a house and all of a sudden a great windstorm came, the house collapsed and all of his children passed away. All of a sudden the land of us was a place of despair, a place of grief, a place of loss. And maybe right now you yourself are in the land of us dealing with grief, dealing with loss as we speak. Or maybe you're like me and you're further down in your journey and you're just trying to wrestle through the motions and you're almost lost with your loss. Where you're going, I don't know what to do now. So how did Job respond? This is what he did in verse 20. Then Job stood up tore his robe, and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshiped. He tore his robe, he shaved his head. These were traditional, symbolic acts of grief. And then as soon as he started doing that, he got down on his knees and he worshiped God. What that really means is Job, in this moment, chose to deal with his loss right there. He didn't delay it. He didn't push it off. He didn't push it away. He said, I'm going to deal with this today. Now, hopefully, none of us deal with loss on the level of Job. But we do need to deal with it when we experience it. Because we will. One day, I, I was talking to my dad about this, and I was younger, and I was like, man, like, why does it seem like so many bad things happen, and, and, and there's certain people, it just seems like more and more and more bad things happen. He's like, well, Clay, it's not that you won't ever have something bad happen, because you will. And the phrase that he uses, a phrase that's burned in my memory, he says, tragedy, uh, we all get our turn with tragedy. We all get our turn with tragedy. There's something bad that's going to happen in our life. There's going to be some struggle that we go through. There's something uh, horrific that happens. It's going to happen to all of us because we live in a sinful world that is broken. And when we suffer loss, we often deal with it through denial. We deal with it through anger. We deal with it with questioning of God, or we try to bargain with God. And you go, yeah, of course that's your attitude. 
Of course that's what you would do. Then the question would be, why would you want to worship a God that allows bad things to happen? It's a great question. I'm going to answer that question in a little bit, so just hang on with me. But for now, recognize this. Jesus had to deal with loss too. When Jesus was down here on earth, one of his best friends, Lazarus, passed away. And Jesus went through the grieving process. He went through the loss. It says that he wept. And if we see through that story that God doesn't like death any more than us, he doesn't want it. He doesn't desire it. It's something that happens, though. And when you deal with loss, we need to follow the example of Jesus. We need to follow the example of Job. We need to slow down and deal with it. We don't need to shove it away. We don't need to push it away. We need to come and go, okay, I'm dealing with this right now. Once again, I'm very transparent in this teaching tonight. That's something that I have really struggled to do because I didn't want to preach this sermon. I saw myself on the calendar for this week and I was like, man, I just don't want to do that. And as I thought about it more, I was like, man, I need to do it. I said, okay, I'll I'll preach that weekend. And as I agreed to do that, I knew I had to write this teaching. I had to write this sermon and, and put my words together and study and understand it and work through my own personal emotions of this. And every time I would sit down to work on it, I just couldn't get myself to do it. I couldn't get myself to work on it. I couldn't get myself to write it. I couldn't get myself to invest in it because I knew that it was going to be painful. I knew that it was going to be hard. And I knew it wasn't going to be something that was going to be like, I'm going to end and I'm going to be like, man, that was really happy. So what I did is what I often do when I, when I have a hardship is I either tried to shove it down or I tried to shove it away. But that's not the proper process. That's not what we should be doing. That's not how we should be approaching this. It's not, my thought process was if I just hide it away, eventually it will go away. But grief and loss doesn't work like that. We need to deal with our loss or eventually it will deal with us. So we have to bring it out. We have to understand our emotions. We have to deal with the loss like Job did because once you say, okay, I'm going to deal with my loss, then we can learn to lament. And that's the second thing we can learn from Job's story. We deal with our loss and then we learn to lament. And lament is a a term that is a more church-focused word. It's a word that many people might not know, but what lament means is to passionate, it's a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. This is what Job did. He expressed his grief and sorrow. Job chapter three, uh, verses 23 through 26 This is him talking. He says, Why is life given to a man whose path is hidden, whom God has hedged in? I sigh when food is put before me, and my groans pour out like water. For the thing I feared has overtaken me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I cannot relax or be calm. I have no rest, for turmoil has come. That is deep, that is anguish, that is grief. And some of you in here have felt that way, where you don't feel the hope, 
You don't see the joy of the future. You don't see what you can do next. And you're just feeling like, man, I'm just gonna wait for it to be done. Food has no taste. You can't get yourself out of bed, but you can't relax and you can't rest at the same time. And you're just working through this process and you're just like, man, I'm in such a bad place right now. And that's exactly the place Job was in. He's saying, I'm in a bad spot right now. But the good thing that Job did was he's expressed his grief. And that's what we need to do. We need to learn to lament so that we can express our grief. And that might not be pretty because there has never been one single human in this entire earth that looked pretty while they were crying. I'm ugly when I, I'm ugly in general. I'm ugly when I cry. You know, like I, I get like that face scrunch, right? And like my mouth gets like this and then I'll, I'll get the snot bubbles going, right? You know, right? Like people are ugly criers. And I want you to let you know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to let that pain out. It's okay to let that grief out, right? You don't have to say it was allergies. You don't have to say it was dust. You don't have to, to say that, that you got punched in the nose. Like, like, just say that you watch a Sarah McLaughlin dog commercial and cry. Like, it's okay, right? Don't listen to Fergie. We know Fergie said big girls don't cry, all right? Big girls and big boys cry. Like, it's okay to do that, right? It's okay to cry. Because the loss of life is a painful part of life. And when we experience that, it's okay to be emotional about that. And that's where we need to learn how to lament and to share that and to talk through what we are going through. Uh, one author said it this way, lamenting turns you toward God when sorrow tempts you to run away from him. How do we properly lament then? If we want to take our grief, if we want to take our loss, how do we actually move forward and lament in the proper way? I, uh, I learned this from Psalm 13 verses one through five, but these are four quick ways that we can lament when we need to grieve and, and, and get those emotions out. The first thing that we need to do is we need to turn to God. The point is we should follow Job's example. What we often want to do when we grieve and when we lament and when we are struggling is we want to blame God or we want to push him away or we want to run away from him and we want to, you know, separate ourselves from him. We say, all right, God, I, I'm just, I'm ignoring you completely. But that's not what we should do. We should turn towards God so that we then have the opportunity to talk about what is happening, to talk about our emotions, to talk about our feelings, to talk about the pain that we are in. We gotta turn to him. And uh, then we bring our complaint to him. This is more than sinful anger at God. It's humbly and honestly identifying our pain, our questions, and our frustrations that we are feeling. Because I promise you, when you're hurting, God's gonna understand why you're upset. God's gonna understand why you're struggling. God's gonna understand why you're questioning. And he's open for that conversation between you two. But if we don't bring our complaints to him, you're never entering that conversation with him. 
You're just building and, and growing a, a, an attitude of despair and an attitude of anger and an attitude of frustration that doesn't get resolved. We've got to take it to God and say, God, this is what I'm feeling right now. And then once we express that, we boldly, we ask boldly for help. And I know sometimes like when we are in pain and we are in a position where we want to blame God and we want to push God away, the last thing that we want to do is ask God for help. Because we don't want to trust God in that moment. And that's really hard to do in that moment. But when you're there and you boldly ask God for help, what you're doing is you're having a complete act of faith. Going, God, I have seen your promises in scriptures. I have seen your promises in life. I have seen your promises all over the place. So, Lord, I am trusting you in this moment, and I am going to ask you for your help to get through this. And, guys, he's the only way we're actually going to get through it. He's the only way we're going to process. He's the only way we're going to work through it. He's the only way that we are going to feel that moment of peace. So we got to ask him boldly for help. And to do these first three things, I do believe that we have to be honest with our emotions when we are dealing with grief and loss. Listen to your emotions. Feel them. Understand them. Because if you handle that today, it will eventually lead to a healthier tomorrow. And I wish that I could give you a great understanding of when that healthier tomorrow will hit. But I can't. You're going to grieve daily for a while. Every single day you're going to grieve. And then at some point, and it's different for everybody, you're going to begin to grieve occasionally. And as you begin to grieve occasionally, what's going to end up happening is you'll be living life, and all of a sudden, you're going to feel something, and you're like, man, that hurts. But my wife, Katie, I was talking to her about this. I sent her this sermon because I wanted to make sure that she was cool with me sharing a lot of our story. And uh, she's just been a rock star throughout this whole process, and I'm so thankful for her. But as I was explaining this part of the, the sermon, this is something that she sent me that I thought was really helpful. Uh, the top part says people think that grief slowly gets smaller with time. And that's kind of how we typically feel like we should process grief, that eventually the grief will just disappear. But guys, Katie's always going to be sad that her dad passed away. We're always going to be sad that we lost baby B. That's always going to be something that we feel in our hearts. But then she sent this, and this is a great example, but in reality, grief stays the same size, but slowly life begins to grow bigger around it. What ends up happening is you feel that pain in your heart, and you learn how to work around it, you learn how to live with it, you learn how to operate with that pain still there. And I think that's God just surrounding you and going, hey, let me help you out here. And there are gonna be moments where we grieve occasionally. That's okay. I knew from the day that, that we found out that we lost baby B, that the day that Claire was actually born was gonna be a difficult day for us. Because inevitably, we would wonder. We would wonder about the future. We would wonder about what life would be like. We would wonder about how we would proceed forward. And it did happen. And there are days where I don't think about it at all. 
And there are days where I think about it a whole lot. It just happened a few days ago as we were setting up Christmas stuff. I started thinking about what baby B would be like to have three kids in the household for Christmas. And that was hard. And I worked that process and I grieved. But as I lament, as I give it to God, as I express my emotions, what I'm really trying to get myself to do is to choose to trust God. That's what Job had to do. But if you read some of the scriptures in in the book of Job, you could see some of the struggle to do that where it's like, man, I'm trusting God, but man, this is so hard. But if we want to work through our grief, we have to deal with loss. We have to learn to lament. And then we have to lean on God. When you're grieving, this may feel hard to do because you might get a false understanding of who God is and what he is doing. You might take your situation and put all the blame, all the hurt, all the struggle, and you say, this is all your fault, God. I think that's a misconception of who God is and what he is doing and how he's trying to work in our life. And that's what was happening with Job. He was sitting around with three friends and they were talking and they came up with all these different things that either Job did wrong or how God was acting. And what ended up happening is they, they got off track. And eventually, as we see in, in Job chapter 38, we're not gonna throw it on the screen, but there's a big section where God shows up and he starts talking and he starts expressing himself. He says, hey, this is who I am. I am bigger than you could ever imagine. I'm stronger than you can ever imagine. And I am doing something. And you have no idea what is actually going on, Job. You have no idea this bigger picture. You have no idea how I'm working right now. But here's what you can know. You can lean on me. And when you lean into God, you will find two things. You will find that he cares. It's been shown throughout scripture that God cares about us. But it's also been shown in my life. I can look back on my past and say, this is when God showed up. This is when God showed up. This is when God showed up and how he worked in my life. And I can tell that he truly cared about me and my future. And I have to sit here and believe and lean into God and believe that he cares about me because if he's done it in the past, he can do it right now. And he can do it in the future because he cares about me. And we'll also find that God is still in control. All that's ever been created, all that's ever been orchestrated, all the things that we can touch, all the things that we can smell, all the things that we can hear, all the things that we experience, God is in control of it. And what I fear is that we see that God is in control and then we blame him for whatever pain we are dealing with. But I want us to look at the larger picture here because as Job leaned into God and he saw that God cared and he saw that God was still in control, here was his response. He said, I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and am sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. What Job was saying there is he went from knowing of God to knowing God. 
through his tragedy, through his pain, through his struggle, Job got to experience God, and through that, he chose to lean on him. And this is a difficult phrase to hear, and it's a difficult phrase to believe, but I, I fully believe it. Sometimes it is the time of our greatest suffering that brings us closest to God. And we're going to go into a time of response here in just a second. We're going to worship and we're going to sing and we're going to praise God. But I want to circle back to the question that I asked earlier more in the middle to the beginning of the sermon. Which is why do bad things happen? Because even if you go, okay, Job now knows God. It still doesn't feel fair that Job had to go through all of that. He was a good man. He was doing good things. Why did he have to experience that pain? I'm gonna give you guys the best answer you've ever heard. In a notebook, write this down. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. I don't know why Job had to go through that. I don't know why your mom passed away. I don't know why grandma has cancer. I don't know why we lost baby B. I don't know why you lost the job. I don't know why you lost the friendship. I don't know why your relationship didn't work out. I don't know. But God does. I don't know, but God does. And we might never know the reason for our grief and our loss. But we can know the one who knows. We can know the one who's in control. We can know the one who can turn bad into good. We can know him. And because I believe God is still good, and I believe that he knows, and I believe that he is powerful and I believe that he wants the best for my life. I'm gonna deal with my loss. I'm gonna learn to lament. I'm gonna lean into him because I hope and I pray that he can work through this process. The crazy thing about the story of Job is he went through all this, he did all this, God restored his wealth, he restored his family, he restored his life, and it was even greater than before. And I was texting Katie about this, and I was like, man, I'm just so nervous about being vulnerable tonight. And she said, there's no need to be nervous because we get to meet Jesus and baby B on the same day. If there wasn't that hope, life would be a whole lot worse, wouldn't it? And that was a perspective shift for me. 
That was something I needed to hear. Because when I am dealing with my loss, when I am working through my grief, I need to hold on to the hope that is in the future, that God will restore my life. And it won't be momentarily. It will be for all of eternity. It will be the best thing of all time. And the reason that I have the ability to be restored, to experience him, to experience the goodness, to eventually one day see baby B, is because Jesus saw us in our grief, he saw us in our loss, he saw us in our pain, he saw us in our struggle and said, I don't want them to have to go through that forever. So he came down from heaven to earth and he died so that we could live. That life can be found in heaven with him. And all we got to do is say, God, I am going to follow you. All we got to do is say, God, I want to know you. I don't know what tragedy you are dealing with today. But God does. I don't know what loss you're dealing with today. But God does. I don't know why it happened, but God does. And today we can know the one who knows and it can completely transform our life here on earth, but more importantly for eternity when we are restored and we get to experience something great. All we gotta do is say, Jesus, I want you in my life. And we hold on to that hope when times get hard, when times get painful, when times get difficult, we say, I have the hope that is in Jesus because I know him. And that's what I want for you today. I want you to know him. Tragedy takes its turn with everybody. But God wants to give hope to everybody. So take the step to know him today. Do me a favor. Go ahead and stand up. Here in a moment, we're going to go into a time of worship, time of response, and several different things that we could do during this time. Maybe today is a day that you remind yourself of the death of Jesus and how he gives us life and he restores our future. We have communion up here at the front for you if you'd like to do that. Maybe today is a day that you want to begin knowing Jesus. You can have a conversation with him right there at your seat. Maybe you need to pray with somebody. We would love to pray with you at one of our connect corners. Maybe today is a day that you want to get baptized. You going symbolically from death to life. Or maybe you just need to praise God. Say, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing. We all deal with our loss. We all deal with our tragedy. We all deal with our grief. Today, deal with your loss. Lament to him. And then lean on him in this moment. Jesus, thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for allowing us to know you. Jesus, in this moment, help us to know you. We love you and we thank you. Amen.